Hello and Happy New Year to you. Welcome to the Radio Juxtapose podcast, the very first episode of 2019. My name's Doug Gillen. I'm currently recording this from somewhere rainy in the heart of Mexico. Coming up in this episode, myself and Evan Preco, the managing editor of Juxtapose, are in conversation largely with each other, talking about what we'd like to see more of in 2019, what we're looking forward to, but most importantly, we'll be delving into the latest works and wonders of the absolute superstar swoon. Loads to come. Let's get going. Sure, and juxtapose like history up on all the walls and stuff. It's super cool. Oh my God, we're in danger of this uh, at some point becoming a professional looking and sounding podcast. I know. Wait, where, how long are you in Mexico? Like, what is going on? Like, you've been there for like years. I'm still here, man. I'm applying for a visa. You're just like, okay, I'm going to stay here. So just now you're in the thrasher office. Just now I'm in the back of an Airbnb in, um, in Tulum, in the, in the sort of the east coast of Mexico. I've been here Tulum. for... Tulum. To uh, uh, I've been here for three weeks, just kind of cruising through Mexico, uh, trying to take some take some time off, but not too much time off, to negate the importance of what we do with this podcast. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm this is a non art related trip, which is the first non art related trip I've done in uh, I can't even remember how long. So, but I've turned it into an art trip. Yeah, but it's it's um it's actually turning into an art trip because I'm noticing you're posting a lot of things about art on your journey. So what you could say is art is part of your life. It is very much so. I I, I actually posted a bunch of stuff from the kind of like the back of the journey, just like the kind of like the traveling part. And I was like, nah, 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 get rid of that, get rid of that. I'm just doing the art stuff. So now I've just been to like the Museum of Modern Art in Mexico City, a couple of galleries in various places in San Cristobal. And I'm just kind of like filtering that through. You're you're a little bit like me where you, uh, you're you're not a big like poster of like your what you do in your daily life. You like, you keep it pretty business, but like there's, there's personality in it, but you definitely don't go like, this is the cake that I'm eating for lunch or whatever. Like you don't do that stuff. I've done it and it feels dirty. It It feels weird. I don't know how people do it. I just like, I I posted like one, one little thing and I was like, nah, scratch that. And it's hilarious because I walked down the beach here and everywhere in this particular part, it's like an Instagram, like photo shoot. It's mad. I, I think Tulum is like where all the, the Instagramming people from London, San Francisco, New York go to go Instagram in Mexico. It's the weirdest part of this trip, but shout out Mexico, absolutely stunning, stunning country. Some of the most friendly, amazing people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, Tulum, <laughs> I'm on the fence on. <laughs> Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, everybody says now that like the art fairs in Mexico City are like the fairs to go to. I mean, it's. I mean, you've been hearing it for like ten years. Mexico City is the place. Mexico City is the place. But like, I think it literally is the place now uh, for art. I want to. I want to definitely try to tee something up here um, to come back and do a, a, a proper a proper work thing in, in Mexico City because you can feel something really cool around there, and uh, you want to get in there before it all becomes. I want everybody who's listening to this to remember that you and I attempted to do a podcast before you left, and <laughs> we had some technical difficulties that uh, beyond our beyond our control. Uh, so I feel like it's been a, a wide 
you know, a little bit of a gap since the last one, but we did attempt a post-Christmas, or is it pre-Christmas? Hey, Evan. Yes. Happy New Year. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year. Happy oh my New God, Year. that's right. That's, I've, I've told you this though. The New Year, it means nothing to me. This is no, what, what, what happened? Like the nothing, for me, the end of Basil is like the end of my year. I don't really, it's, that's it. That's yeah. the year. Yeah. I found out that the Mayans, the Mayans, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> they had, uh, they had, they didn't have 12 months. They had 18 months and their new year was March 23rd. So take, take from that what you will. So in that case, like what year is it there? Like 1925? Like what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I learned that my star sign is pure. So to the Western world, I'm Gemini, but to the Mayans, I'm pure. That's great. Here's the thing. New Year's, I drank a double IPA. I fell asleep early and uh, that was just kind of my night. The year has started off a little bit more busy for me than I anticipated. We're kind of in a little bit of a, a grind here at the moment. We had juxtaposed with some deadlines and we just opened a new art show at our space in Jersey City. So we've been we've been busy to kick off the year already. So we're, we're happy. Things so, are good. So what, what have you been specifically up to in the last, I mean, what the, the year's been kicking off for like a week? Yeah, so we had uh, our show with Justin Cole Smith and Heather Benjamin open up in our Jersey City Gallery uh, last weekend at Manic Contemporary. Very excited about that. Went really well. Great crowd. Was, so that's really nice. Because it's still kind of a new project for us, so it's kind of nice to, to for people to go out and see it. Uh, and then we, we're just like, we're getting close to deadline time for the uh, spring 2019 issue. So that's... That's kind of like three weeks of grind. You know, it's like a lot of work for three weeks. So, uh, and then I have some writing assignments that I'm doing for other things. It's just like piling up. It's good. It's good. So quick, quick plug before we get into the meat of this. What, what can uh, listeners expect from the, the, the spring issue of uh, 2019? The first issue of 2019 proper. Uh, what, what I would say is one, the, the, cover story is going to be someone who played a major role in our uh, Juxpose Clubhouse uh, project in the latter stages of 2018. It's actually a really painter heavily, it's a painter heavily issue, which doesn't always happen that way, but it's a lot of painters, which is kind of a, it's a really good time for figurative painting. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. There's so many people uh, painting really great things uh so is this a conscious thing or is this just the way it's happened great question a little bit just the way it happened there's in every little genre and every little pocket there's just good painters right now i think we all see it i think we all have kind of noticed even if it's it's in, in this issue ranges from street artists to even people working in crafts but uh it's it, it's just heavy on the painting the figurative painting do you think this is then going to swing into the other way of, um, you know, maybe not so painter heavy, maybe not so technically, not yet necessarily technically gifted, but not such technical uh, figurative painter works in the, in, in, in the rest of the year? The trend that's going to pick up, I think, is that the idea, and it, we were getting into this for a while, like the idea of like the working class art forms, like the sign paintings, the uh, painting on cars, the more kind of like utilitarian kind of art style. I think that's gonna make a comeback and, and find its way into fine art a little bit more in the next couple of years. I just have this feeling that we're gonna go back into this kind of swing of like 
a little bit of the unsung heroes of kind of art are going to kind of pick up again. I, that's, that's just my feeling. I think that's always something that I, I, I always look forward to. I think there's something kind of exciting when that comes up, you know, kind of in the same way that when you start to see, you know, stencil art become really interesting again, or where someone, you know, kind of grabs something just a little bit sort of left of center. And it just, it, it just makes you feel a little bit more excited for things. Yeah, and that's a good segue because later on in this conversation, if, if we do release it, uh, our, my conversation with Swoon, we sort of get into this idea of uh, starts and stops of eras and like how uh, her particular uh, start in street art was a very special, magical time and how like it, it doesn't, it's not always like that, but it has like, you know, genres have their kind of their ups and downs and kind of, you know, we, we did talk a little bit about the early portions of that, like, uh, early 21st, 21st century street art scene and how like that was a moment for that scene and how it's evolved so much and like maybe it's time for another part of that scene to kind of shine. So look, um, I mean, we, we're in it now. So uh, <laughs> this being the sec, this is the second time that we've tried to touch on this, um, this episode and get something out. We're still like, because we're doing this from different parts of the world and we want to always try and include interviews and things like that we just you know we we have everything in place but we you know we want to make sure that this sounds great when it goes out so that when you guys are listening to this it's not you know it's not making your ears bleed and you think you know ah i'm on a bus i'm on a train i'm on a plane and i can just sit back and listen to this and trying to find necessarily the guests that always have the right audio equipment is proving a little <laughs> bit trickier so in this episode. Well, also, you, you left me to do this by myself, which is probably not a good idea okay. now, that we, now, now that we've tried it. So the, for, for the listeners, they're finally figuring out what I do here. <laughs> um, so basically, we have actually two interviews that we've already recorded. We tried to put out, but it's just not quite felt right because the audio it didn't quite bang the way that we want it to bang. So we have one with Bo Stanton from at the end of 2018, which we might pepper in at the end of this. If you have been following that story, it was a huge story about a mural that caused loads of controversy uh, towards the back end, actually just after Basel, which was, which was nuts. Because yeah, it was Basel supposed, to be, supposed to be a downtime and it became a, like an actual front page LA Times mega US newspaper news story. Like just absolutely took over everything. So we're like, okay, cool. We thought we were done for the year. We grabbed Bo, we had a good chat, but the problem is it sounded like he was sitting in a fish tank <laughs> when we were doing the conversation. I'm not gonna lie to you listeners. It and he looked like he had been <laughs> swimming in a fish tank actually too. Uh, disheveled has never been more appropriate of a word than how Volker was looking at that interview. So look, at the end of this, we might pepper it off with a little bit of that conversation, but we also just teed up one with Swoon, who's really kind of just not jumped into it she's grabbed that sort of center stage and just kind of made it hers and i i find it really interesting when artists in her position are continuing to do that because a lot of the time they kind of like they just they kind of exist and just do their thing but she was like actually look i'm 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 here and i i want to make a statement one of the initial reasons why i thought it would have been interesting to talk about her to talk with her is that she clearly uh she is telling us that she's going to go through an artistic change that was spawned from a personal change in her life. 
And it, these stop motion animations that she was posting uh, was like this new practice that she was trying out that was really, really labor intensive. And it combined with the kind of like the, the way she did work on the street that is like, so you have to do as fast as humanly possible to get it up so you don't get in trouble or all that, uh, you know, that kind of practice. She was doing these really time intensive stop motions, which is complete opposite of like the practice in a way. But within that, She's been very vocal on Instagram about, I, I don't want to say like uh, inconsistencies in the art world, but uh, observations that she has as not only a female artist, but a female artist making certain imagery in the art world and why perhaps that work is not resonating with people the same way that uh, work of violence may uh, provoke people to respond to and so we we you and i both thought that it would be good to talk to her because she is such a pivotal figure in this art world maybe that she could kind of talk about what she's finding what are her observations on the art world as as she sees it in 2019 and uh, and just into the specifics on that it was particularly with regards to the imagery of pregnant women and pregnancy in general so there was this contrast between you know the, the the i guess the act of you know creating life and then you know violence and she actually picked out Cleon Peterson as an example of this not in any way calling him out just using him as a, as an example and it was a respectful way in which she delivered it so you know I, I, I really do hope that Cleon had absolutely no beef with that because it was perfectly uh, within realms of reason for her to do so but just using them as two juxtapositions between the the idea of giving giving life and then you know kind of taking away. Uh, and it wasn't like a man versus woman argument. The argument was like, why are people so worried about depictions of birth as opposed to being so attracted to the moments of death? And I thought that was a really fascinating, if, if, we, if we do release the conversation that we had, I, I think it, that was a really fascinating part of the conversation is just because it, it, we are so obsessed with death, uh, images of death, images of violence, and... Uh, in particular, her work is not dealing, even though her work has a sort of haunting kind of uh, almost ghostly quality to it, the way it ages and the way it, she works with paper and, and it, it's, it's not about death. It, so I, I really enjoyed her, uh, her standpoint on the topic. First things first, congratulations on the new show. Can you talk a little bit about the new show? I'm curious because it, um, you've been writing some really good stuff on Instagram. And Thanks. I feel like uh, I wanted to talk to you about that. But also, first, like, let's set the setting. Like, what's the new show? The new show is something we should talk about. <clears throat> yeah, so the new show is a couple things. It's the first time that I'm showing my um, kind of first attempt with teaching myself a new visual language in the form of um, stop motion animation and film. And so that was really cool, fun kind of just like year that I've given myself like a little bit of time to play. And then there's also some work that was a part of that, so some kind of images that were generated for that. And then these kind of really small little sort of jewel box pieces that I made because um, at, at the end of last year, I sort of made a conscious effort to put down a bunch of the processes that I was most familiar with. And, you know, I had spent a lot of time doing these kind of huge, ambitious, large-scale installations. And I wanted to just take some of that energy and invert it and go towards, like, tininess and go towards uh, kind of time-based mediums. And so this show is uh, a lot of that work. 
did you have a sort of um, an idea in mind of how stop motion could fit into the practice you already had? Or is it something like you really wanted to learn something new entirely? Yeah. I, you know, I just, I had wanted to make animations and films since I was like uh, probably 20. But back then I was just like such a fucking energetic little maniac that the idea of sort of sitting with a process for that long in in such a small scale which just was like not going to happen for me I like needed to use my body and jump around and be climbing on ladders and just like I just needed to be like working in a different way and so I just remember this moment that I set it down and I was like I was like I'm going to come back to this like I don't know when it's going to happen but I just put it down and so about two or three years ago, it started to kind of stir again. And I was like, I just want to make films. And I didn't even really know what I meant. Um, I was like, do I mean frame animation? Do I mean sculptures? Am I doing puppetry? Like, what am I really doing, you know? And so that's the part that I'm figuring out. And that was like the cool part was just to be like, I have a very, very vague idea and I'm just going to like go straight toward it and figure it out by doing it. Yeah, I was thinking about this like that let's say 20-year-old you is putting stuff on the street, there's a little bit of a time element there that you kind of got to be quick to kind of put up a piece on Mm -hmm. the street. And this is like the complete (laughs) opposite of that sort of practice, which that's why I thought it was so fascinating because, like, yeah, you can see in this show, there's a lot of, like, this thing about time in in this show is really fascinating to me. But, like, it's interesting because a stop motion, like, the way people view it is differently, too, than the the way they normally view your work. So, like, you're kind of, you're doing, like, all these, although the aesthetic of it looks like your work, there's also all these elements Mm -hmm. to it that, like, don't fit into what people are familiar with you. So that... I guess if you're going to change it up, you might as well just change it up, right? Yeah, because I got to the point where I really kind of crashed my life a little bit. Like, I I, I was doing, you know, multiple simultaneous community-based projects. I was doing, like, epic multi-level installations. I was doing all these things kind of simultaneously. And I just, I just kind of, like, also at the same time, sort of stepped out of the driver's seat of my life in a certain way where I just kind of noticed like some things started crashing and me being like, Oh my fucking God, I hate my life. And I was like, wait, how do you hate your life? Like you're doing your, you're living your dreams. You're, you're making your, the best work of that you've ever wanted to make. Like you're this, you're in you're you're able to realize things on a scale that I've never been able to realize them. But suddenly I just was like, even still, I need to be somewhere else. It was like this kind of wild sensation. And so that was why I decided to just like go deep and explore this complete other direction and to like find a way to, you know, bring some of the other work to a close. And is, is that going into a new year? I mean, we, we could be arbitrary about what years mean, but they do mean something. There is something about this cal- yeah. calendar flip. As much as I want to be like, I don't believe in time. Like, I do believe in time <laughs> to a certain extent. But like, it, it believes in you. Yeah, right. Um, is Do you really feel like you are flipping sort of uh, flipping the calendar on an older body of work that people have grown to know you for, if that makes sense. Is that something that's, I mean, obviously, as you're saying, that's an intentional thing, correct? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, I 
am, but it's happening more gradually than right. I. For me, it feels major. For me, it feels huge, you know. But then when you see the things that I'm working on now, you can still tell I did them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes changes look bigger from the inside in a way than they do from the outside, or at least they do from, for me. Um, you know, that I'll find, that I, you know, for me, I'm pushing around. You're so far inside a certain territory that you're exploring and you're pushing and you're doing things that feel really different for you. But, but sometimes from the outside, you know, you can still, it's still kind of in your key or it's still kind of in your signature. And I, I feel that way that like, even though I, you know, I also put down block printing, like, but then I started making this new body of drawings and I'm like, yeah, I drew these drawings. (laughs) You know, like my hand is still there. I like how you're talking through a lot of things publicly if you don't mind me saying, mm-hmm. like, I really, I'm enjoying yeah. right now, it, even your interview with, I mean, that's another thing, your interview with Juxpose that's in the current issue that we, it's on, it's on newsstands mm. now, buy it, please. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a really interesting kind of, like, uh, honesty and kind of uh, nakedness in the conversation that you're having with Kristen. And I mm. thought Kristen did a very nice mm. job getting Thanks. stuff out of you. But mm. the stuff that you're, yeah, the stuff that you're writing on Instagram, too, I, I'm, I'm really into because it's it's not that it's confrontational, but it's they're really good questions that haven't been asked maybe mm. in a while um, about what's mm. going on in the art world. Mm. As mm-hmm. as you are having these moments of like you're changing a little bit of your practice, like are these like things that you're like, you know what, it's time to bring it up. Let's talk about it. The thing that happened for me, uh, I would say. You know, I was kind of going along. I'm just going to answer this. I'm going to give a long answer. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I was kind of going along in my life, and I was making things, and I wanted them to look a certain way and feel a certain way, but I would never, ever talk about the content of my work. It was almost like a weird open secret where I'd be making these pieces, and they'd have all kinds of symbolism and, and, and material sort of hidden in them, but because much of it was subconscious even for me, Mm-hmm. And because I was young and I was shy and I wanted to be accepted, I didn't really get that explicit about what was really happening inside the work. I just kind of let it be part of a movement in a moment, which was great. But then, you know, somewhere in the last, um, I mean, basically the when I talked about my life crashing, the, the sort of backdrop of my life crashing was that um, – his, you know, my family's history was quite traumatic when I was really young, and then it got it got really evened out when I was, you know, 10 or so, and I tried to just kind of go with it and be like, yeah, cool, life's normal now, I'm just going along. But that stuff started to resurface for me in the form of crazy behaviors I couldn't control, and just things were coming out where I was like, holy fuck, like, who am I becoming? And right as that started to happen, uh, I lost my mom, and then a year and a half later, my dad uh, committed suicide, and then a year and a half later, my stepdad, who I'd known my whole life, was killed in a car accident. So I just went through this, like, series of losses that just took me, like, to the bone of mm-hmm. who I was. Yeah. And it was happening at the same time as, like, kind of a lot of things that I had learned to simply cope with and survive. You know, my coping mechanisms were expiring. Um And so all of a sudden it was like you're just sort of a skeleton and you have to make this decision to resurrect yourself and to be like, well, who am I now? Um, And what I found is that doing that 
It just made me a lot more honest. I had to get honest with myself. I had to see things I didn't want to see in my own life in order to heal them. And then once I had done that, I was like, well, fuck, I'll talk about whatever now. In this, you know what I mean? In yeah. a way that I just didn't feel before. Good. When you start these conversations and people are, are yelling at you and da, 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 I think that I'm just developing a skin for that. Like, I'm just being like, all right, you want to fight? Or like, you want to, you want to like say something horrible about me? That's fine. That says more about you. You know, I'm just getting to the place where I can sort of feel that. Did you feel like your work before was not um, dealing with the ideas of loss and maybe this almost like um, kind of mystical, uh, I would say like mystical, mystical existence, if you will. Like, do you think that your work was not dealing with those kind of things before and that now you're sort of coming into that? Or do you feel like this is more about, not even just about your work, this is just about the way you are as a person in your day-to-day life? Um, what I think was happening before is that, you know, how I started working on the street is a few different ways, but one of them was from seeing the work of Gordon Mata Clark. And are you familiar with Gordon Mata Clark? Yes, definitely. So it was the impermanence, and the, the illegality appealed to me, but the impermanence of it just rocked me. It just rocked me in this way where I, I was like, fuck. You know, and and I felt that same way, you know, looking at, Tibetan sand mandala, looking at like a few different practices where people create these things and the sort of exquisite impermanence of that just like brings you to this unalterable fact about the nature of existence, right? Yeah, right, like yeah. One yeah, yeah. permanent thing is impermanent. And so I think I, in that way, I naturally was, you know, and subconsciously I was dealing with all kinds of stuff. I just was not talking about it, and mm-hmm. now I am. Right. I'm really glad you took it there, because I think that's what I was implying, but I didn't really explicitly say it, which I, it's mm-hmm. this idea that, and it's interesting, when you see your work after it's been, like, the weather's beaten down on it, and it's been rained on, and then the city has just kind of, mm-hmm. kind of taken its, taken its toll on one of your, like, especially when you're older, mm-hmm. pace, like, it, there is this sort mm-hmm. of, like, um, idea of time loss, and uh and yeah. loss in general that's that's so permanent in your work that's so it's interesting that you're talking about these things that you're going through in your personal life that I think some people were getting from your work already in a weird way totally uh, so, yeah so it's like it's all kind of catching up but I'm wondering like mm-hmm. do, when you because you're really really good at um the idea of collaboration you've collaborated with so many mm-hmm. artists and, and Oh, that's my cat. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Really, don't do that right now. <laughs> You're ruining the podcast. Um, this idea of collaboration that you've you've been really great at working with people. When you do these philanthropic projects, you have so many friends and fellow artists and photographers and people working with you. Do you feel like that, in any sense, was a coping me- me- mechanism for you, or do you think that was just that's just the nature of how you like to work? I think that that was the nature of being a workaholic yeah, that okay. still wants friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, that you're like, well, we're not going to see each other otherwise, so let's just do something together. You know. But I mean, I do think also, I'm like, I think a lot of artists will identify with this, that I'm the most social, antisocial person I know. <laughs> like, I'm, I really think of myself as being deeply antisocial, but I'm not. Like, I want to have the party. I want to get together. I want to, like, meld minds with people. Um, 
you know, and it's funny because I'm actually a pretty bad collaborator, truth be told, because it's so controlling and I'm so like, I want it like this and I want it like that and da da da, you know, and it's, it's only through like the struggle of collaboration that like it brings me to this place of really being able to see the weak spots in my own ideas and seeing like just the beauty and like things that people are bringing to the table. But, um, but I can sometimes be a really terrible collaborator, which is funny because people, since I do a lot of collaborative projects, people will say, I thought you were a good collaborator. I'm like, Oh hell no. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I, that's funny. so, that's so funny. Cause it's like to the out, yeah, to the outside world. It's like, you, you've got like this, you do, it, it does seem like you have this very seamless uh, collaborative uh, practice, but uh, mm -hmm. I th you know, it's, it's like being the band leader, I guess, you know, uh, sometimes the band yeah. leader can be a little tough on, on the band, you know? <laughs> do you ever feel, like, there was obviously this, this grand world they call street art, um, whatever it's become now is, is such a fascinating mm -hmm. separate conversation, I guess, but Mm -hmm. Is there like a little bit of, do you look back at all to like some of the early days before there was all these like monikers of what a street art, it, what street art is or whatever? Do you, do you look back at like mm -hmm. that as being kind of a magical time or do you, oh, yeah. you do? I do. I really do. I mean, it was an incredibly magical time in the sense that it was this really, like, wild, unregulated, and illegal expression that just caught fire around the world, and it was, like, happening in this really, like, overwhelming way in all these, in all these different cities. Um, and it just felt like this kind of, like, fire catch of the imagination, but it was also, you know, kind of rebellious and messy and, like, just a, just a shit show in a really phenomenal way. And people were, like on fire with it, you know, like just people's imaginations were caught. Um, and I think that that's, that's like always that like jagged spark at the beginning of anything. Um, and so I feel like, you know, to say that that won't happen again is to say that the world changes and that that jagged spark has moved on to somewhere else. And it's happening somewhere in the world with some movement and something, you know, it's just, it's just maybe gone out of that, like that initial burst of what we called street art. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about like one of the first time I had seen your show, your work in person was the show you had at new image with fail and David Ellis. Mm. 2006, oh, yeah. maybe I think it was maybe 2005. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember like, I remember even just being in that, in that show and being like, ah, this is like super special. Uh, I hope I remember this. It was before like people had phone, yeah. you know, camera phones. So it was kind of like, right. you know, so now even in my head, like, God, I never, I didn't take a picture when I was there. I just experienced it. What a weird thing just to experience <laughs> an art show. Um, and that was actually right after you were on the, the cover of Juxpose, the first time you're on the cover. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And I, yes. I was just thinking about mm -hmm. that recently because um, I was just going through some old notes and I just remember that being like a really special time. As Juxpose, this is like our, you know, our 25, 25 years of Juxpose and you're like one of these pivotal figures in those in that 25 years. But I what I like about it is that um, at the time, this is so weird, but at the time it was a really big deal. We had a female artist on the cover. And I, I was, right. and I, and I was thinking about that. I guess that's probably what I was thinking about, was that, wow, 
Like that was really weird. We had a we had a female street artist on the cover of Juxtapose, okay. and that was like a lot okay. of people. It was like this line in the sand. It was like this is the new era right. of Juxtapose, and I. I don't really know the experience as much of other women and other women street artists at the time, mm-hmm. but for me, the term glass ceiling has been really resonant mm-hmm. in the sense of you only notice it when you get up high. Right? That yeah, like yeah. there's a reason they call it a glass ceiling because because it's maybe a little bit less present at the bottom. And so, you know, I felt like even though there were very few women street artists, I really felt this sense of like being super championed within my community. Like all my peers were incredibly encouraging. Like it just felt like the whole vibe back then um just felt really incredibly encouraging. And that may not have been everyone's experience. Um, so, may, you know, maybe I'm not speaking with that much clarity because because it still is a very male-dominated field. Um, but I've just definitely had moments later on where, um, you know, just sort of needing to advocate for myself um, in ways kind of higher up in the art world that I didn't even have to do back then, where I'm like, oh, like these institutions and spaces are even less used to uh, really, really lending big things to women, like really entrusting women with big projects, you know, even less so than, than when I, you know, back in 2006 when I was maybe working in smaller spaces, it felt like there was a lot more experimentation and a lot more freedom. And like, I've noticed a little bit more of a conservative as I've like become accepted into uh, sort of more institutional spaces, I'm able to, like, also see the, like, incredible conservatism that's still there. Yeah. Uh, and I think this kind of lends itself to some of the stuff you've been saying on Instagram recently. And I, I loved I loved the way you phrased the one particular one of uh, that used uh, not to... Again, the way you phrase it too is like not to call out Cleon Peterson, but just using an mm-hmm. example of some of, of work okay. that has violence... Uh, compared to, I believe uh, you were comparing it to images of was a birth, correct? Was that what the? Yeah, or even just pregnancy. Yeah. I was just sort of having some discussions with people who were like, "Oh yeah, like traditionally, um, images of pregnancy are like very challenging and like, you know, and not even birth. I mean, I can see how like uh, the giving of a birth, but it, but it was like even just images of pregnancy, and I I was shocked to learn that. But then when I really looked, I saw I saw the truth to it. Yeah, and I, I liked that discussion because it I, I felt the same way. I kind of felt like I, I I had I did like a double take on like everything that all the art that I've looked at, and mm-hmm. and, and there is you know there's depictions of of nudity, female nudity, and female portraiture throughout art history, but there's never really mm-hmm. pr- pregnancy is never mm-hmm. considered. You know, being a more public and with my voice, not just with my work, has been new, like, in the last, like, sort of three to five years. And it's kind of gotten to the point where I feel like that is part of my work now. So that, you know, being able to ask a question like that and being able to get a conversation happening feels like part of the work. And I really appreciate that. I really, I really appreciate being able to do that because, because it is part of who I am. I think about this stuff all the time. It's, it's why I pose these questions, you know, and it's, and you do get into really deep questions. Like the question of the question that I posed was why are people so much more comfortable buying images of violence and, and hanging them 
they are comfortable buying images of, uh, of pregnancy and hanging them. And, like, just really what does it say about our culture that we're totally squeamish about the conditions that create life, but we're not squeamish about, like, extreme domination. Yeah. Um, and and it, it, it's just a legit question, you know, and it's, it's, um, it was one of those things where I kind of had my own opinions about it before I asked. But for some reason, I just was able to put it out there that day. You know, I just had like a rare moment of humility or something. And I was able to, instead of being like, blah, 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 this is what I think. I was able to just actually be like, legit, what do you guys think? And so many different kinds of answers came back, which felt so nice because it really felt like a collective chewing on the question. And that's that's what it's about, right? It's about being like, what is this? And like, how how, by not examining it, are we just allowing it to kind of lead from the inside. In my own mind and in my own work and in my own life, like things that, suppositions that remain unexamined at the back of my consciousness, at the back of my mind, will steer my life in ways that they can't do once I've looked at them. There was one other thing I found um, a little bit interesting, which I, I, I maybe would have liked to have touched on if I was able to get on that conversation. Um, unfortunately, I was on a bus traveling through the back end of Mexico. <laughs> so she had taken on the role of um, censorship, uh, censor or adjudicator or, you know, uh, moderator, sorry. And she had actually been kind of removing some of the comments that may have fallen out with the parameters of what she considered a fair dialogue and, a, and an important dialogue. And I had um, I actually received an email this week from a, a music publication, a Mad Music Junkie as well, uh, from Resident Advisor. And they have now just shut down all commenting full stop on their forums. And I'm a bit, I, I, I just want to speak to you as someone from within a huge publication. They have shut down all comments within their forums because they they found that anytime a female DJ was or a female musician or producer or anything like that was being published, it just it led to an onslaught of what eventually fell into sexist comments. And I, I found that particularly interesting because it was quite a credible music publication and all this stuff. And I wondered if you saw anything like this from within juxtapose and whether or not you think that this idea of, and it gets into the huge conversation of where the realms of free speech are. Um, have you ever noticed when a female artist is being posted that you have to be maybe more cautious on what is going on or maybe you are more attentive to the kind of comments and discussion that's going on within the realms of the post? And, and, and if so, have you ever felt the need to have to respond in some way to this? I have definitely had to, I would definitely say there's been a couple times where I've had to erase comments that crossed a line that not even the community that follows us could police themselves. Uh, there's been a couple times. Um, but for the most part, we like to kind of let the community police itself. Um, I, I actually haven't really noticed a huge, I haven't noticed that problem for us. Um, that might be because we're probably 50-50 in terms of men, women who follow us. That's like pretty much documented for us. So we have, we're pretty much 50-50 down, down the middle. I follow if our community is policing each other. I definitely follow that. I don't follow, I guess I would, I just, I don't necessarily, 
want to censor anybody's comments, but there have been times when we've had to. I would never, but you know, we would never ever. Um, it, when an idiot makes a comment, an idiot gets kind of called out, right? So I we haven't had that problem. I got to be honest, we haven't really had that problem. So maybe when we when we cross that line, I'll let you know. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out just as a because I found it particularly interesting, and it was is the two things just happened at the same time, and I and it kind of got me thinking as to where the future lies within this world of online presence because it's it, you know it it's certainly been there for a long time, but it seems to have developed from something relatively you know cordial and almost formal into something that feels a lot more anonymous and a lot more unhinged in certain areas. You know, we normally get, uh, and I, I've noticed this, when, when we put up something that people don't like, they say, juxtapose, you're stupid. <laughs> when an artist, when, when an artist, which I can take that, it's fine. Like, okay, um, you just wait five minutes till we post something else. You'll probably like that. But uh, I do notice when an artist posts something, they, the attacks seem a lot more personal. So that's something that we're lucky that like, we're not, we're, we're a magazine, so we don't necessarily have to deal with like personal attacks. Um, but the, the discussions can get pretty vile when I, when it's like an actual personal artist or personal person's Instagram account. It, it get, that's where it gets kind of, that's where it gets really nasty. 2018's done. So I don't want to look back on that. Yeah. But what I do want to look on is what is kind of coming up that's exciting you for 2019 um, and what you'd like to see more of in 2019. All right, so you and I both. Let's see. We're I'm trying to think of the, the the shows that you and I are probably getting somewhat interested in. Like we've talked about this before, the Futura show in Berlin is kind of interesting to it's me. It's open now. That was a that's a fascinating one to me because you, you kind of forget that um, he's such a pivotal figure in this art world, and I don't know if for some reason like when he has an art show, it's kind of like a big deal. Uh, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of like one of those, again, let's go back to the pillars of the community, but he's like one of those guys. Um, so that was a really fascinating early 2019 show. Do you think, so he's got a new show and everybody's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's clearly made a little bit of noise. And I don't know if that's necessarily because it's the first show of the year, if it's because it's future and he's OG, but do you think artists of a certain era have a free pass as to what kind of work they're creating or do they have a duty to continue to push themselves artistically and to push the audience uh, in some kind of way? I, I'm more of a believer. It's interesting because that's like a, it's, it's like an, it's sort of an ageist question, isn't it? Like ageism. Like it's like, hey man, Bowie like, was still making like Black Star was a big album. He was making them till the end, and he was still pushing. Right, right. But some of his stuff, but some of his stuff in the late '90s, you're kind of like Bowie. What is this? Like this isn't pushing the envelope. This is bad. Um, but then like yeah, Black Star is like one of his best albums. Like it's incredible. Genuinely, I think when you reach, I guess when you reach a certain age, it's almost like, well, are you are you satisfying your own artistic curiosity still? Like it's. I definitely do think as, as people who follow the art world, as critics, as people, it's like we, we definitely judge a 30-year-old, 40-year-old artist way harsher than we do anybody older, correct? Don't you think? Definitely. A hundred percent. Especially if they came out at a certain, especially if they didn't come out at that moment where things were culturally changing. You, you know, this is, this is something that's interesting. 
David Hockney decided to start painting with iPads. And that was really, really cool, regardless if, regardless if you liked it or not, because it was like, here's a guy who all he, he wants to it. do all day long is paint, and he found something that he can take with him wherever he goes, and he can paint all day long. That's fascinating to me, because that means he didn't give in or give up. But his iPad stuff was good. Like, I I, I, I liked it, man. I, I went into I saw his, his show at the tape, and I was just like, do you know what, man? You give me an iPad, you give me that program, I'm not doing that. You could give me all the Hockney's, like, you know, sort of how-to YouTube tutorials, and I'm not doing what he's doing on that iPad. He crushed it. I love the iPad stuff, man. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Hockney fan. Shout out to Lucy Sparrow, who probably thinks I'm crazy for saying that. Um, we had an argument about that at one point. Um, I like David Hockney, so maybe that's why I'm just, like, a supporter of everything he does. Um, but that's, like, an interesting... Uh, late career move that was actually pretty successful for him and it was innovative and trying something new and it wasn't time passing him by so that's fascinating to me I, but i you know i actually in it when it regards to like some of these like ogs of the graffiti world i kind of think like well, you've done so much pioneering how much pioneering do you need to keep doing so they get a pass I'm not saying that in regards to Futura personally because i actually really like the show I, I, from what i saw i really like those paintings but i mean I'm just. I, I was. I was speaking more generally. I wasn't particularly talking about Futura. I just using. I'm using. I'm using that as a sort of as a, a segue into the wider conversation. Here's a question I always want to know. Like for Futura, for somebody like Futura, it's like, does he still get excited about showing? I wonder if he does. I wonder if. I wonder if artists at that point are like still get like a little bit of nerves when they have an opening. If they still have all these the slight insecurities they might have had when they were younger. That's actually really fascinating uh, to me. And I wonder if the insecurities are the same insecurities that they had then, because it might have been you know, holy shit, no one's going to come to my show. My work isn't good enough. And now it could be, oh, I'm, I'm past it, I'm dead, or I'm not going to make any money. Uh, Eric Parker's show at uh, Mary Boone in, in New York, it's like he's seems like he's now kind of solidifying himself as just like one of these really strong mainstays in the contemporary art world. And it's got this comic book, hip-hop, colorful... Uh, mish, mishmash and mix up and mash up of so many different styles. It's it's fantastic work. Um, but the, I gotta figure this out. This Os Jamios thing that you and I both have talked about. I I'm still trying to comprehend what it actually is. But like anything Os Jamios that looks like it's big is like is must see TV to me. Essentially, they're taking over a theater in Berlin for 49 shows where the breakdancing group will be performing um, and sort of like forming the animated backdrop, the live animation backdop will be work by Osgemios. Quite clearly, Osgemios characters come to life. To partner this up, they're creating some murals and some installations around the city of Berlin. This is kicking off in April and I think it marks a really interesting sort of development, an interesting partnership, and actually like a completely relevant partnership um, in their brand. Well, and this goes full circle to what we we're talking about with Swoon. She's like trying to do something completely different right now. It's It looks like a Swoon thing, her stop motion pieces, but it's a completely different practice. It's a completely different thing. She's shaking up what she does. She's shaking up the time in which she does. She makes her work. It's like uh, it's fresh and new and different, but it's still her. It's 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 like it. It's nice to see the 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 big names do these things. The thing that always gets me is whenever they push the character development into 
in, into a new realm. And they did this a couple of years ago. I think it might have been their first time. It was uh, the, the little short video um, to... I think it was to promote a show, but it was a short that came out a couple of years ago and it started to really animate the characters and you start to see a little bit of movement come in there. And now it feels like this has once again taken on an, a, a new level of development. And I think this is such a an obvious but brilliant progression to see their work really come to life in a new element. And I, I remember asking them in, in Hong Kong last year, um, you know, sort of like, is this something we're going to be we're going to be seeing more of? And uh, do these guys have voices? What do they sound like? And they were like, yes, every single character that we make has a voice. And I think we're getting closer now to being able to hear that. You know, another thing I, I was thinking about this morning that I was going to talk to you about in this was that I'm wondering how much longer the art fair circuit is going to last the way it's going. Because I, you know, I was doing my research about, oh, okay, where should I be for the next couple months? And it's like, I, I like the decentralization of it a little bit. I like the fact that the Dallas Art Fair, the Mexico City Art Fair, the Chicago Art Fairs are good. But, like, how many Art Fair weeks are there going to be? How many are, like, of importance? It's like, and I like that each city kind of gets their own scene. But, man, it is, like, for the, I feel, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I feel bad for the galleries that how much, like, energy and time of these extra traveling things they got to deal with month after month it seems like are we have we maxed out on this i mean i know that seems almost like an antiquated argument but like it just keeps going do you think this means that there's time for 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 a, a reassessment of how the model looks i don't know it's the same thing with street art festivals right there's so many and well this is this is exactly where that ties into because it's that you you know you can almost put them both in the same bracket the, the the fair and the and the festival thing it just is it where does it go you know we all know that there's a like people have been saying from muralism for the last like five years you ask any of these guys like you know they're they're all saying the same thing like look i'm just getting it while it's hot i'm just doing this while it's hot and it's not necessarily the artist's job to figure out where this goes it's the other people that figure out how they keep this interesting and fresh for a second i thought it was gonna go uh, it was like Lollapalooza three or four years ago. Shepard Ferry did like a group show, sort of like mu uh, music art thing outside of Lollapalooza. And I thought for a second, I'm like, okay, this might be the new paradigm for like where art's going. It's like it's going to be brought back into music full time, full throttle. But again, that's a festival, festival fair kind of a dynamic that I just, I don't know how much more. I like the fact that there's so much going on and I like that there's so much art and I like that there's so many different cities I get to experience it. But I don't know if like the weight and the, the financial pressure to do it is gonna, ha is like gonna last. Do you think this could be a, uh, an interesting year in how that starts to pan out? Do you think me and you will be sitting down having this conversation in December saying, wow, we saw something change or is it, will we just be have more clarity on what we feel should have changed. Well, I think I think what'll be really fascinating is like what you and I and other people who are in this art community who cover it, like what our schedules look like more and more. Like, do we all kind of go like, oh, I can't afford to keep going to these places or I, you know, I got to really pick and choose. And that's when it's really going to start taking an interesting hit is like the picking and choosing of what you can do. That could, that could, that could make it interesting. And then you'd start to see maybe new players come up in different forms, which could be, could be really interesting. That would ruffle some feathers. I think, um, I just think we, we, art has done such a good job of spreading its wings that it's almost like, 
it, it's like kind of gotten almost too big for its uh, its uh, its own sort of like health. Do you think then that this is a good time for new emerging galleries to come up and sort of this is the time that they should be showcasing what what the future looks like, or do you think uh, it's maybe a, actually the most nerve wracking time in it, uh, any gallery's existence? I think this is a mixture right now. I think there's more talent than there's ever been, but I think that the it's nerve wracking because artists can figure out ways to do their own thing without the gallery system. And that's a little nerve wracking. But I mean, I also think like there's a lot of galleries who are really doing a good job of showing really good people and doing a really good job. You know, in our world, I think like what ThinkSpace does is fascinating because they do a bunch of museum shows. So there's like this a little bit of like they're kind of trying to work both, you know, the kind of different angles of where, where contemporary art is going. That's fascinating to me. It's interesting to watch. I don't. I think it might be scary for galleries right now, but for the actual artists themselves, the talent is just like there's so many good people and so many different genres. It's like unbelievable. It's like we could fill magazines over and over again with how many good people, and we're not repeating ourselves, which is so awesome. Which is like it's it, it's interesting because it's maybe never been more of a nerve wracking time to be a, a gallery or trying that other side, but as a, as the creative, as the you know the producer of that 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 craft. <laughs> there's never been a better time to be alive for you. Right. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, you, you do, you know, like you and I did in Amsterdam last year, we went and did, we did a project with Van Gogh and Vans. Like that's, that's part of the art world that wasn't existing 10 years ago. And then on top of that, we go to other street art festivals where there's like all this young talent that are doing cool things. Like as somebody covering it, you just so much to do. It's so much fun. But uh, yeah, people who are, who are actually financially bound to sailing sales of art, I, that's something that I think some of this pressure of all the fairs and festivals, that's where it starts wearing down on you a little bit. You think we're going to see a few more interesting collaborations this year? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the one thing that we're going to see more and more of, I think, is just that that top tier collaborating with top tier stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like this um, Louis Vuitton Dior collaborating with this sort of post-graffiti world is something that's like, it's not going away for a bit. Um, yeah. I think we talked about this too in the past, but like people like Para to me are like so fascinating because they could kind of do whatever they want. Jean Julien can kind of do whatever they want because they got the skill set that crosses over like fine art, fashion, design. Uh, Inez uh, Longival from Paris, same thing. So there's a couple people like I'm fascinated by like how they, they treat their kind of personal brands. And, and that's the thing, it becomes such a reflection of your personal brand and, and where that then steers how other people view what they're looking at. It's, it's an interesting world for me that I always kind of find like a constant back and forth into how I then have to reassess how I feel about the work that I've been looking at because now I'm associating it with something else. I'm really fascinated with and want to see a resurgence of like that, just that working class art conversation, like art being made by people who were told that they're not artists or art being made by people who are actually the, like the most talented artists, but like their job title doesn't actually, you know, doesn't really include the word art. Um, I, I just, I'm really, I don't know if it's something like maybe I might be writing on soon or I don't know why it's been in my head, but I, I think it's like maybe just thinking about Juxpose at 25. It's like Robert Williams and it, like just some of his early stories about working with guys who are painting hot rods. Like there's just something about that, just that working class thing. I just I'm really kind of want to 
think about more in 2019. I'm not quite sure where, where I'm going with it, but... Wait, man, I want to see more of the vandalism. I want to see more of the, 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 the real, like, exactly that's it, grassroots working class, boom, we have one of the most, and especially in Western world, we have one of the most sort of like chaotic times in existence. And I think this has never been more of a pivotal time to look towards the art scene and see who's, who's shaping that. Because I, I feel like it very little comes from the music world anymore. There's, there's little bits here and there. You know, there's a couple of cool bands like Idols from, from Bristol. They are right in there at it. But for me, I want to see who are the artists that are bringing this out? Who are the ones that are taking this fight to the, the, the sort of the front line of the conversation, like in decline? You know, they are straight up on that with the billboard takeovers. I love what they do. Banksy's still doing it, but I want to see him more. I want to see more of that grassroots make people feel that they have power once again. I would love that in 2019 because I don't think any of the politics is going to slow down. Right. Um, I guess I can, I think I can talk about this. I don't think I'm not allowed to talk to this. I'm, uh, I'm curating a, a feature with Playboy at the moment talking about art and censorship. And it's funny because like the... The, the, it's weird because it, it actually what ended up happening is like it ended up becoming more uh, the curation came more about how America America used to support the arts in such a healthy way and turned and made art part of people's daily lives like I'm just talking about the mural programs to put murals in post office I mean they were, that's what we used to do in the 30s and 40s and we were making art part of a daily lives for people that was sort of like community driven even though it was funded by the government it was done in you know for them all my research not really in a bad way um and like we've gone now like art is art and government it's like such a bad word and it's such a um it's like art now it confronts the government in fascinating ways and so i'm just kind of getting back into thinking about this idea of this like synergy of like of promoting people's lives, you know, promoting art in people's lives. And it's, it's just a fascinating change in less than a hundred years. So when can we expect to hear more about that conversation and see that kind of uh, come into the public domain? Hey, shout out for the shout out for the Playboy. Like, oh, my God, my guy. How was that email? Have you done stuff for uh, Playboy before? I have done stuff for Playboy before. So, of course you uh, have. This is more about putting shine on some artists that are doing some really, really good work. Uh, and you know what fits into this, too, is that um, Margaret Kilgallen has a, a wonderful retrospective that just opened up at the Aspen Art Museum in uh, Colorado. And it's one of her first retrospectives. I don't think she's had a proper museum retrospective in ever or in over 10 years. But, you know, her origins is more about sign painting and like this old folk bohemian art style that was just like not defined as art when it was happening. But now it it is. And she was so good at like communicating that that fine art meets daily life art and how to tell that story. And I, I it's just that kind of stuff, I think, is going to make a comeback. So there you go. That was the first episode of a brand new year. Let us know what you think in the comments. Subscribe if you enjoyed it. And we will be with you guys real soon.